So what did you get out of the podcast today? Because it was, it was all phone calls. I mean, we hit some of the things that are in the news, but all phone calls. Um, I learned that the founder of MakeAmericaGreatAgain.com is a sustainable farmer. And then, may I just ask you... From the Netherlands. Did she, did she also say <laughs> that she was helping homeless sheep? Yeah, yes, I believe there was okay. a homeless sheep element. Uh, t- that was an adventure. That call uh, was an adventure. I never knew where that was going to end. I had no idea <laughs> where that <laughs> was going to go. That was a winding, winding tale that she... Uh, spellbound the audience with that you don't want to miss. I get it. I was also interested to hear, you know, there's some of the primary stuff going on, how the audience can get split between candidates, but the overwhelming tone I get from people is they don't want this. They don't want the back and forth. They don't want the hatred between candidates uh, in the primary. They they want to be able to pick based on the merit of the situation and not based on everyone lighting each other on fire. Yeah. We we took the time today just to listen to you and you hear the voice of America from all over the country. We talk about pretty much everything you're talking about on today's podcast brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace Medical, they have really something I think very important. They have the Jace case holds five of the most important antibiotics for emergency use. But I talked to them a couple of years ago and I said, look, as a guy who, you know, believes that we could have problems, you know, uh, and I like to be prepared for it. The one thing I cannot put into place is daily medications. You can't get daily medication. You can't get a 12 month supply. And they said, we're working on something. Well, they've launched it. It's called the Jace Daily. It's a prescription supply service that allows you to get up to a 12-month backup supply of your prescription medication in case of an emergency. So your cholesterol, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, all of these things you might take on a daily basis or your family, you can have the peace of mind by having this long-term supply of your vital medications. For your sake, your family's sake, be prepared. JaceMedical.com. That's J-A-S-E Medical.com. JaceMedical.com. Make sure you use the promo code Beck at uh, checkout for a discount. JaceMedical.com. Promo code Beck. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Seeing what happened in Hawaii just a few weeks ago and East Palestine a few months ago, do you trust the government? He said, I think Maui is a total catastrophe. What happened there? I don't think we have all the answers to that. I think we should have all the answers to that. But it's interesting how incurious our corporate media is about what happened in Maui. I mean, I don't see them interviewing parents who can't find their kids and people we know. There's a lot of people missing. So that was a total disaster. I mean, really heartbreaking to hear some of the stories, even though they're not being publicized. So he goes on to talk about how bad things are uh, in in Maui and how different things are in Florida. He said in Florida, we're so fine tuned that local governments in some respects pay even more uh, play. I'm sorry, play even more important roles than the state government does. This is the way it is supposed to be. I don't understand. This is the way everything is supposed to be. You're not the most power 
the quickest response should come from the 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 locals, the cities, then then the state, then the government. But meanwhile, we have um, uh, we have something else going on. We have homeless people in Wyoming speaking out about the homeless problem in his city. Claiming they destroyed a motel and left hundreds of pounds of poop in the streets and the sidewalk. This is from Casper, Wyoming. 200 people, homeless, residing there have created a mess. Stu, listen to, th- listen to this. Is this a homeless problem? Is this truly a homeless problem? The mayor says it's like nothing I've ever seen. It's third world country stuff happening in Casper. He and the city staffers had to clean up 500 pounds of poop downtown. He said the homeless population stay in nearby parks or sleep in their cars. He said in, in, in addition to defecating on the streets, they have destroyed a vacant motel. Nell says that's the mayor says that they've been squatting in the former Econo Lodge motel in Casper and caused millions of dollars in damages. Pictures show that this is just horrible. Trash littered, poop on the floors, furniture scattered. The city has condemned the property and now it's been boarded up by the bank. They destroyed everything. That's not a homeless problem. We have had homeless problems before. Are you saying are you questioning whether it's homeless people or whether it's a problem? Is this an ideal situation for no, you? No, I or? think there's something else that is going on besides. I mean, I'm sorry. The home, We've lived with homelessness before. We've had bad homelessness problems before. Mm-hmm. Uh, why all of a sudden is everyone pooping in the streets? Why is it that they feel they can go into homes or to, you know, motels and just destroy them? It seems to me to be connected to another problem that we're having where people in unison run into stores and just start grabbing things. I think so. And they start burning cities to the ground and very few of them see any repercussions from that. It seems like it's all sort of connected. A viral video caught the moment that several women engaged in a vicious cat fight. In and around porta potties at a Morgan Wallen concert in Pittsburgh, woman gets into the face of another female concert goer, screams, F you, you don't cut in front of me. Then they start shoving each other, and then they one pushes them the other one into a porta potty, and oh boy. And then it just it just gets worse. What's happening to society? I'll give you what some people are saying is happening. Concert goers. This is from uh, Axios. Concert goers throwing things at performers. People talking on their cell phones through movies. Tourists defacing historic landmarks in pursuit of the perfect selfie. The first truly post-pandemic summer has shown the bad behaviors unleashed during the stress of COVID, and they're not slowing down. A mix of worsening mental health and decaying societal connections, 
both exacerbated by the pandemic, may be driving this trend in rude behavior that could extend far beyond COVID's upheaval. Mental health experts told Axios, though factors, other factors are also at play. The pandemic changed us. For the first time in anyone's lifetime, it was like every man and woman for himself. We were fighting over toilet paper. It broke life as we knew it. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. We were fighting over toilet paper? I guess some were for a while, but that happens all the time. You mean as far as every whenever there's a tragedy or like a there's natural a disaster? Snowstorm right, or a natural right. disaster. That happens all the time. That's not what broke us. I do think there was a unique level of stress put on the population by shutting it down for six to nine months. Yes, but that's not fighting over toilet paper right that's that's true that, that, that was part of it maybe it was you know one of the things people talked about a lot but I, I didn't i mean people weren't fighting over anything they were all at home they were all sitting at home until they started burning cities to the ground it was like the two the two phases I really, you know we were having a conversation about this with some friends we had some friends over the other day and we were all talking about what happened to us there was something that i i would have never predicted I would think that we would all want to go back to work and everything else. All of a sudden, because of pandemic, nobody wanted to go back to work. Everybody's like, I'm not going to work. Why? What happened? Everybody is rude to each other. I don't think that. I think that has more to, to do with social media than anything else. Mm. Everybody's, you know, taking pictures of themselves and their food and I, you know, I was watching uh, some uh, some people taking selfies. They were up on the big screen at my son's football game and I'm watching them on the big screen. And there's these women and they're taking pictures, selfies of themselves as a group. Okay. And they're all smiling. Okay. And then as soon as the picture is taken, (laughs) they all just like. Yeah. Right. Because that's their real state. (laughs) That's their real state. Yeah. I see that all the time. You see that with, all the time, even with the kids. I've noticed that with my kids. My wife is quite the picture taker uh, on you know Instagram and all these other things. Loves taking pictures of the kids, and they've developed that thing where they smile at the camera, and then as soon as the picture's over, they just go back to normal state. It's right. like a totally different thing. It's, it's not at all capturing reality. Half the not time. at all. Yeah, and that's something that's interesting because it's it's this ge- you know this generation of kids are the first ones that really have ever had to deal with that. Right. Like we're in that situation where people now growing up, I guess I'd be now going to probably voting age right now, have been pictures, have had pictures taken of them basically their entire life constantly. And with a phone, with a phone Mm -hmm. and they have popped up and smiled and then they've stopped and and they've they've developed essentially an innate sense of when to show that they're happy and when to go back to reality. <laughs> I don't know. That probably is going to screw us all up really badly. You know why I think that there's road rage? I think our cars became so great. Our own, you know, really great sound system in it. They're, you know, big. You're, you're in air conditioning. You, you're driving around, especially these SUVs. You're driving around your house. Mm-hmm. It's your space. And somebody else who's in front of you or beside you is all of a sudden interrupting you in your space. There's no 
shared feeling of traveling. It's like I'm just in my house traveling. You have everything that you need. Some cars even have refrigerators. <laughs> I mean, wow. How, I mean, how how thirsty are you all the oh, time? Or don't you? This sounds awesome. Don't you disparage it? Why aren't there <laughs> refrigerators in my car? Is really my question. Uh, that like I like. I, I mean, I, I think these it. are positive developments yeah. mostly. But it does. I mean, I don't think that you had a shared sense of community while you were driving in your 1968 Oldsmobile. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I can't, I don't understand what's happening to us. I really don't understand the pandemic thing. I can understand how we have stopped listening to each other. It's social media. I can understand how we all just uh, think we're in our own movie. It's social media. You know, you're constantly taking pictures of yourself and your food and where you're at and, and you're faking all of it. It's, it's not even, it's like a different, ver- it's not exactly faking it. You know, sometimes some people are doing that, right? Like, have you ever seen those accounts that uh, uh, that document influencers out in the wild? Have you ever seen those before? No. It's a, it's a, I think it's a great trend where you just see someone else taking a picture of the influencer trying to get the perfect shot and they just look like idiots. It's so satisfying because all their pictures, of course, look perfect. But watching them set up for the pictures, watching video of them try to set up, they just look like complete morons. And it's so satisfying to look at. They are morons. Well, of course. I guess we all are at, the, at some level, honestly, at this point. But I do think, I I don't know, maybe we're a little different on this one in that I kind of feel like we never have fully paid the price. For anything? For Well, for anything. <laughs> for, for anything. But... For what happened in the pandemic, like the fact that we just shut the country down largely for, I don't know, what do you want to say? Here it was maybe three or four months. Some places it was 18 months or more, Uh, you know, doing that to a a group of people and then throwing in there what I think one of the first effects uh, of uh, the post pandemic period was the rage that manifested after George Floyd. And we saw a society that all of a sudden was like, well, rule of law is not really that important to us. If you have the right opinion, you know, you want to go burn down a city, you want to you want to you want to enter a police station and take it over. We're going to kind of shrug our shoulders at that and everyone can pretty much go home and we'll say, well, yeah, but racism like that is like those two things together really put us into a weird place. And just, you know, economically and societally, like we have, we've paid a heavy price for that, I think. But I don't know that we've paid the full price for it yet. I Oh, no, no. You don't think? No, we haven't. Let's, we're great. I was hoping (laughs) you'd give some optimism. I thought we were on the other opposite sides here. No. I do feel like we just, you know, economically, we're starting to see something on this, you know, uh, the deficits exploding again. We're in peacetime. This is quote unquote peacetime, right? Yes, we kind of are in a proxy war with Russia, but other than that... Uh, this should be a time where our deficits are going down and have gone down in every other similar period throughout history. The pandemic, it went up. We all know that. Uh, war times, it goes up. There are, there are certain circumstances where it explodes. Then it comes back down in peacetime. Well, here we are with Bidenomics in full flow where we're spo- everything's, we're told everything's wonderful by the, the president. S- the spending, it was supposed to be a trillion dollars 
uh, over, you know, what we had. Yeah. Spending a trillion dollars more than we actually took in. It is now two trillion. Double. Double. It's doubling in peacetime. And this doesn't even include what it's going to happen with the interest on the debt over a period of time. If these rates stay where they are or go up. I mean, we are really, we are really, we're, we're face planting in a lot, on a lot right, of these let's areas. Let's go to the audience and see if you have something else. That, Tell us uh, about your face plan. Yeah, what are you, what are you thinking? Uh, how are you feeling? 888-727-BECK. <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program. We just had somebody on who wanted to know about RFK. And, um... Uh, you know, when it comes to the Republicans, I don't want to tell you what to do, who to vote for. You're smart enough to figure that out. And I trust the American people. I have been wrong too many times. Um, and but when it comes to RFK Jr., I would urge you to think um, about what attracts you to him, because what is attracting you to him I would imagine is the same kind of stuff that attracts me to him. I hear him speaking and when it comes to COVID uh, and I agree with him completely out of control. When I hear him talk about the Justice Department and the FBI completely out of control, I agree with him. Um, And then there's something else that is new in American politics. He's bucking the system and they are trying to fight against him. The the left is treating him a little bit like they treat Donald Trump. And so you see who his enemies are and that they don't want him. And you're like, okay, maybe he's somebody I should look at. And maybe he is somebody you should look at. I think you should look at all of them. But look deeply. Look past those kinds of things. Um, You know, the the. We're in a we're in a place right now where people feel so persecuted that they are willing to. They're willing to step up. Let's take Donald Trump, for instance. I don't think there's anybody who has been more investigated in the history of the world than Donald Trump. Every agency, every spy agency You know, every FBI, Interpol, you know, in every major country, they have investigated Donald Trump. They've looked at everything. Much of the world didn't want Donald Trump to be president because of the WEF and all of the plans. And he's an American first kind of guy. So, you know, they investigated him. This is the best they can come up with. To me, I find that shocking. I really do. I find that shocking for a guy who is in international business at the level that he is at, that this is what you can come up with. Yeah, you talk to legal experts and they're like, the best thing they have here is uh, he put those documents in, in his bathroom. I mean, that's crazy. Okay, let's say that that's what we're worried about. That's the big thing. Honestly, I would have thought that there was, you know, some sort of corruption just because he's a New York 
businessman that builds buildings quickly in New York. Usually that's because, uh, you know, we're going to do a little work here. You know what I'm saying? None of that. None of that. So what do they do? They keep trying to cover their own tracks and keep trying to uh, accuse him of different things. They can never get the goods on him. The media completely goes nuts. Now, Adam Schiff is now talking about using the 14th Amendment, which the 14th Amendment means if you have been involved in sedition, that you can't serve. So they, if they can't put him in jail, they're now talking about painting him as someone engaged in sedition instead of just letting the people decide. Let the people decide. There's an election coming. Let the people decide. They, for people who talk about democracy as much as the left does, they don't trust the voters. They'll make the decision for you. And so I think a lot of support comes from, I mean, I feel this way. Donald Trump has done a lot for the country. He doesn't have to. And he's, he's going through all of this because he stood up for some of the things that I agree with. And this is a real injustice. And I think a lot of people feel like this is an injustice I might be able to correct with my vote because people feel like they can't do anything. That is fine as long as you have more than that to vote for. And with Donald Trump, you can find many things. With RFK, you kind of feel the same way, not to the extent of Donald Trump. But make sure you're looking into the whole picture. Don't be ruled by your emotion. You never make a good choice when you're ruled by emotion, especially fear or anger. Uh, let me go to Brad on line four. Hello, Brad. Hello, Glenn Stu. Good morning. How are you? Morning. Um, great, thank you. Hey, I wanted to call and share an experience that my wife and I recently had in a taking an RV motorhome trip through these United States, specifically the western part of the United States, including California, Oregon, Washington, etc. And what we found and experienced was the American people are fantastic. Mm-hmm. We found friendly, helpful, unbelievable people along the way, not to mention um, the beautiful scenery that this country offers, but it renewed my confidence in the American people and love for them. So I would encourage you to anybody who has the opportunity to go do that. It's only when you get to the large cities that right. you see the despair Correct. and the destruction. Brad, thank you. I, I wish we had, um, I wish we had a kind of a, uh, electoral college for States because our States are being dragged down by these cities. Everybody's living in the cities, and it's the same problem that they tried to solve with the Electoral College and did solve it with Electoral College. They just didn't understand cities the way we have cities today. We had all these farmers out there, so we we had people in the countryside. They had to be. But once we had the Industrial Revolution, things changed, and now cities are controlling our states, and that's 
really not a healthy thing because they they go a different direction entirely and don't reflect the suburbs or the um, or, you know, for for sure, the farmlands of America and their voices need to be me be heard. I will say another thing. I remember driving in my grandfather's old Chevy. And my grandfather was a jovial kind of guy. I always thought he was Santa Claus. White hair, blue eyes. He looked like Spencer Tracy. And he was magical. And he could tell stories. And it was always a great time with my grandfather. We were driving in a truck. We were coming over a bridge. And my grandfather got really quiet. I've told this story before. He looked over at a farm. And he said, you know, just before the war, there was this great Japanese family that lived there. Okay. And my grandfather's eyes welled up. And they moved away and they never came back. Well, they didn't move away. I didn't know this as a kid. They didn't move away. They were taken to an internment camp. It was the first time I ever saw that kind of emotion from my grandfather. The American people are good. But the American people can be led into disastrous thinking if they're hungry or they're afraid. America's about to become hungry, and we're already afraid. Fear does not come from any place, any place good. Fear does not come from God. He may warn you, but he's not threatening you. Until we get a handle on, on true principles, I agree, Americans are great. They're good. They're, they, they, they know the difference, generally speaking, from right and wrong. All across the country, families are families. I found this in Israel. Palestinians... When you talk to them as individuals, they want peace as much as the Israelis do when you talk to them as individuals. But when you get the governments involved, that all goes to hell. But they're both good people, good families. We have to first decide who we are. A. Was this nation founded on correct, eternal principles? B, do our mistakes outweigh the good things? Are, they, are the mistakes fixable? Three, is it worth saving? Answer those questions. Start there. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I I have something up in my uh, in my studio that my daughter gave me. 
Uh, and it is a quote from one of my favorite people. And it says this, you are good, but it's not enough just to be good. You must be good for something. You must contribute good to the world. The world must be a better place for your presence. And the good that is in you must spread to others. In this world filled with so many problems, so constantly threatened by dark and evil challenges, you can and must rise above mediocrity, above indifference. You can become involved and speak with a strong voice for that which is right. Gordon B. Hinckley said that. I, I like the ending of that. You can and you must speak with a strong voice while still being good. Let me go to Sean in Virginia. Hello, Sean. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Uh, I got a story for you of thank you to you and then also an answer to a question um, a few weeks ago, you asked if we should stay and fight in our local area or if we should move. Mm-hmm. So we were in Colorado, uh, just north of Denver, and I saw kind of the writing on the wall, what was happening during COVID. There was a lot of changes we didn't agree with. So yeah. I was listening to you. My father had introduced me to you, hmm. and I was, I was listening to you and kind of paying attention to what you were saying. And it led us, my wife and I, to prayer, and we prayed really hard about it. And we decided we were going to move. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And we were going to move back to the East Coast. Um, So we were looking at Tennessee. God kept shutting doors in Tennessee. And we ended up, this was after the election of Winston Sears and Governor Yunkin. Yeah. Uh, We ended up in Virginia, in central Virginia, in the middle of the country, Mm -hmm. the Blue Ridge Mountains. We were able to buy 20 acres here. So that is one thing that we felt like if we're going to move, we're going to stay and fight where we move to, mm-hmm. but we're going to be in a place where we feel comfortable that we can stay and fight. So we moved from a 10th of an acre to 20 acres. Wow. The story of thanks happens with, because of you leading us to prayer to be able to let us move. My father actually passed away four months after we moved. And because we moved, we were only um, three hours away from the hospital that we were able to go visit him. Wow. Um, so, because of the way that you spoke into what you were speaking, let us just go to a different area, fight for where we are standing now. And we were also able to be with my father as he passed away, which was totally unexpected. So thank you. And it's my opinion, as far as the question goes, that if you're not in an area you want to be, then move to an area and stick it out and fight it there. Because like I said, a 10th of an acre, we didn't feel comfortable on, but 20 acres, we feel very comfortable in staying where we are to be able to provide for ourselves and also fight. Sean, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate it. I'm uncomfortable. I mean, I'm not because I think I know what you mean. Um, but uh, I'm uncomfortable having it on the air, you know, stand and fight. We are, we, we don't need more fighters. We need more protectors. You know, somebody comes across your property and, uh, and tries to take things or whatever. You have a right to stand your ground. Uh, so you might want to consider because of the world, the way it is today, I feel comfortable on my 20 acres to stand my ground. Um, by the way, the, do you know, the number one state people are moving from, you'd think California, right? That would have been my pick. Yes. Yeah. It's not New York. Nope. Illinois. 
Yes. Mm. Illinois. Bad. Uh, Illinois, California, New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Those are the top states, mm. not even New York, top states uh, for outbound in 2022. Well, Cuomo killed most of the New York residents, so they can't move yeah. anywhere. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, you know, they, anyway, all five have a Democratic governor. Now, the inbound states, top five, Arizona, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Texas. Huh. It's weird. What story could be told from that information? I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. You could say, well, maybe people like warmer weather. Yeah, California's known for its crappy weather. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't fit. What's your other piece of analysis to that? Because it's interesting how this keeps happening over and over and over again. And a lot of it has to do with okay. the policies. So here, well, here's what I was going to say. What they have in common, those are all great states that people will move to with their crapping voting and they'll say, I want to get away from Illinois and they'll come there and then they'll start voting for the same people that wrecked their state. And so these would be the, the is that what they have in common? Mm-hmm. All states yeah. to be wrecked mm-hmm. by people. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. Coming soon. <laughs> it is fascinating though. That's because I think what happens is people, no one wants to blame themselves, right? No one wants to blame themselves for problems that happen around them. You, you want to blame somebody else. That's, that's natural. So I think what with a lot of people is they vote a certain way, they get these policies, it ruins their communities, they hate their communities, they decide to move to a better place, but they don't blame their votes nope. for those problems. Nope. They instead say, well, it's uh, it's the economy. Oh, well, it's the, well, our, you know, the industries that built this economy are no longer the, the industries that are successful. We need to go someplace else. Um, there's a hundred different excuses you can come up with. But the one you're skipping is the most important one. You know, a lot of the reason why people move, why Tennessee of all the states in that region? There's other states in that region you could pick that have similar weather and similar. Oh, they don't have a state income tax. It's a big part of the reason why you'd want to go there, right? There's a lot to love about Tennessee, but that's one thing you really like. Florida, same thing. Texas, same thing, Hmm. right? I wonder why people go to these places. So you're saying that Illinois with (laughs) 12.9... <laughs> in, in tax suboptimal Glenn. suboptimal yes 12.9 huh. suboptimal huh mm-hmm. now new york city is the top of the list of huh. cities huh. where they're because that is about 12.5 percent yeah uh, uh, tax uh, uh, taxes that's that's weird right and and think of how this problem is growing right now for these states we've always talked about this right glenn people will leave these blue states with high tax rates they'll go to uh to red states with lower ones this has happened all across the world they've left france when they raised taxes like that but that was before everybody was working at home I know. No one goes to the office anymore. I know. Like, there were reasons you had to stay in New York. If you were in finance, you had to be there. You don't have to be there anymore. So in a poll of New Yorkers, not New York City, all across New York. Okay. Okay. What percentage says they're planning to leave in the next five years? Planning to leave. Planning <laughs> not to leave. I consider it, but planning to leave. Planning to leave in the next five years. Out of the entire population of the whole state, not just New York City. I mean, it's I would normally guess very low, right? I would think it was what ten percent, five percent. Yeah, five percent. That's that's that would be high for a state. Yeah, twenty-seven <laughs> percent, almost thirty oh percent. God, are saying they're ready to get out of there. I gotta tell you, 
it's one of the th- reasons why I am for like, you know, we should really kind of gather together because these people are going to come and wreck our states. They're going to come and they're going to vote for all the same progressive things that they've always voted for that wreck their states. Yeah, that we were they people really need to be informed why these problems happen, not just that the problem exists, but that why they happen. Either that or we all move to California and then we vote in common sense policies. If all of us moved to California, we'd have all the beachfront, all the forests, all the great vineyards and the, you know, the, the land for farms and everything. And uh, I don't think we'd have the homeless problem. I, I just I, I have a feeling we wouldn't have the homeless problem. Anyway, let me go to a Lynn in Florida. Hello, Lynn. Yes, hello. I'm so grateful to have the chance to talk. Thank you. In the last hour, you said uh, that we tend to respond instead of making our own way. Yes. And I thought that was really profound, and that resonated with me because I am a conservative sustainability management college professor you're the one (laughs) i'm the one you once said i must be schizophrenic yes but i teach my students i teach my students practical sustainability but like what what does that that mean what does that mean well that means not esg (laughs) reducing reducing resource use saving money uh, uh, reducing waste, um, uh, finding the, the most innovative solutions that actually work. Right. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that, that, that we do. And my students in their capstones uh, save, they do real world capstones with uh, real businesses and they save them thousands of dollars. So it's great. It, it is, it works. Yeah. So I think, I think we need to, to, to uh, make our own way instead of responding with the environment and with social justice. I want us to stop responding and find good conservative solutions and common ground because we Americans are the best at innovation. So what is the best way to get this message out? Well, I have to tell you, I, I think it is so... Um common sense to the conservative that they don't really understand that that's not common sense to a lot of people. You know, common sense implies that it's common and it's, it's really not, um, especially when it comes to uh, uh, things like what you're, what you're talking about. We are very good at innovation. Um, when our back is against the wall, we're usually at our best, but we have, we have somehow or another perverted this, um, and I think it's all due to politics. We've perverted this, and um, we've decided to just all grab on to one solution because it's the state solution and science says, when <laughs> I think the average person is totally cool with you know, uh, solar panels, wind power, everything else, if it worked. But it doesn't work yet. It might in the future, but it doesn't work yet. Um, And I think because of the politics involved with it, you have global warming. This is why they're screaming that we have 10 years to live, Um, because they've got to get people just to be so afraid that they don't think. Because if it's a hundred year problem, which it is, just quantum computing will solve many of these problems. And that's right. That's here now. 
That's here now. True. Uh, nuclear fusion is right on the cusp. Nuclear power is the cleanest that we have. And mm-hmm. if you really cared, you would be going for nuclear power and you'd be making hydrogen at night when the power load is down. I mean, the, the, the answers are simple, which leads you to believe that no one's really looking for answers. And so mm-hmm. I think that um, uh, trying to, to trying to um, get people to stop living in fear and start looking at um, truth. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, I think that's the only way we make a difference. I agree, too. And I think there's a there is something to be said about constantly being on defense on so many issues. I think the environment is one of them where a lot of times conservatives are just like, well, we don't think fossil fuels are that bad of a problem. And that doesn't advance anything. I, I think um, one of the, I, the candidate who I think is speaking most clearly and effectively on this right now is Vivek Ramaswamy, who, I, who addresses this really well. And it's important to understand that if we can kind of change the framing of this, constantly the, the environmental debate is about human impact. What is the human impact uh, of, of our policies? where the debate should be about human flourishing. How do we, how do we make uh, the lives of human beings more uh, you know, ex- so, extended and, and, and happy and bountiful? And, and how, do we, how do we make this whole situation better for people? Not how do we make it less bad for the earth, which is like, a, you know, you know it's, a, it's a rock floating through space here. It's, that, it's not a person. It's not, they try to make it into this mother earth. It's not actually a mother, right? Like, yes, it's important that we sustain the, you know, the environment and we, we do all these things. We want clean air. We want clean water. Why do we want those things? Because we want our children to be able to breathe and and drink clean things. And, and, and and I think that, I think that's clear when you look at conservative, for instance, hunters, they are the best uh, at wildlife preservation and everything else. They care about the balance. Na, na, na.